Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. And today I'm being joined by a special guest to discuss the topic of being and ultimately becoming a high achiever. Today's guest is the founder of Integrative Therapy, one of the first holistic centers globally based in New York City. Her experience includes over 100,000 hours of researching, teaching, training, mentoring, consulting, and providing psychotherapy. She has been featured in the New York Times, the New York Magazine, Natural Health, and Working Mother. She is a clinical psychotherapist and a peak performance mentor and business strategy, Dr. Fern Caslow, aka Dr. K. Hi, Dr. K. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Did I get all of your intro correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you I think you covered the most salient points. Oh, fantastic. Now, before we dive into today's topic, which is setting apart high achievers, let's first hear a bit of your backstory and, and what ultimately led you to doing what you are doing now. Okay, so let me give you the backdrop, and then we'll kind of lead into that path that led me to what I'm doing with High Achievers now. So first for, you know, backdrop, I've been somebody who has always hated limitations. And I used to have a mantra, I used to say, help me, support me, stay out of my way, just don't tell me it can't be done. And then I realized that the last part about don't tell me it can't be done, actually, that was okay, because like most High Achievers, all it did was spur me on to prove that it could be done. So uh, that's where I came from. And from very, very early, I was always interested in doing, being, accomplishing, and just you know, being at peak potential wherever you are. And so back in the second grade was when this path really got clear. Um, this was a time that teachers, it was very different than it you know, is today in school. Teachers had a lot of authority. They literally used to hit the boys. They used to take them over their knee or hit them with a paddle. And I was very lucky that I wasn't a boy because I had a very big mouth. And we had a little girl in my class. And this was also in the days, it makes me even cringe to say it now, when kids that were not um, intellectually at the level that the school wanted would be called retarded, right? I mean, horrible when we think about that now. And so there was a little girl without label and the teacher pretty much ignored her. And I just couldn't stand it. She had just been written off as she wasn't going to be able to do much. So one day I went up to the teacher and I said, you know, excuse me, but this is not right. I said, you're not helping her. She could do more. You know, this isn't just, it's not right. It's not okay. And so the teacher glared. I mean, she just glared. It was like things came out of her eyes at me. And she said to me, you think you could do better? 
And I said, yes. Now, you have to remember, I was little. It was second grade. I was little. And I said, yes. Yeah, only like seven or eight, right? Yeah, that's about. And it's interesting. We'll talk about that later in terms of entrepreneurs. But I was seven or eight. And I was particularly small seven or eight. And I stood there, you know, really firm. And I said, yes, I can. And she said, well, then she's yours. She said, from now on, you do your work. And after that, you take care of her. You teach her that she's your responsibility now. And I said, great. It's boring here anyway. Um, you know, I <laughs> kind of like think about the things. Um, I said, it kind of makes sense why I was thrown out of my high school or they tried to throw me out twice, which is a different story. Um, but she became my charge. You know, I worked with her every day after I finished my work. And then the school started referring other kids to me who were having issues. Really? So she wasn't, yeah. So she wasn't a high achiever, but she had potential that was not being tapped into. They were looking at her in a limited way. And so were these other kids. So I got, you know, into like the path of, or onto the path of what I was doing early. By the time I was in ninth grade, I had a paid private practice doing tutoring, which then led to psychoeducational therapy and then later, excuse me, late led to therapy. So I started really being interested in peak potential wherever somebody was. And then it shifted to high achievers. And the shift came about from a number of things. One is my personality. Um, I like to move quickly. I like to do things fast. I like to accomplish a lot. I like to have big impact. And so high achievers, you know, tend to do that. So I started focusing there. My, my practice in my center, as you mentioned, was in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so being in New York City, I had performers, I had high achievers. And interesting, I had a number of them in my practice that were anxious and depressed because they couldn't build their businesses. Well, I love marketing, which is kind of unusual. You know, the, the doctor marketer is not a usual combination, but I love marketing. I built my practice really fast. I built my center from two to 12 people in 10 months. So I love that aspect. And what I found is that they needed help with what I call the hidden power drivers of peak performance. And they also needed help. Like they had tried different things to build their businesses, but it didn't work because they were doing what worked for other people not what worked for them. So Uh I was able, it's interesting, right? And that's what, one of the reasons that a lot of programs don't work for people is they work for the person who developed it. They work for people like them, Uh but they don't work across the board. And so being able to help them with the anxiety, with the depression, becoming who they needed to be to create what they want. And at the same time, mix that with my marketing and branding know-how Um, and helping them structure their business was a great combo. So I actually started another aspect to my business. I had kept my clinical practice, and then I started my business strategy and mentoring for entrepreneurs and professionals. Oh, that's a very interesting story. Now, I read somewhere to be proficient at something, you need like 10,000 hours of doing something, and and here you are with 100,000 hours of of fine-tuning this, (laughs) I guess, um, you reach a level of being a super expert or how does that work? <laughs> well, I guess some people would say that. Um, what for me is, you, you, you know, for me, it's about continuing to grow, continuing to learn, continuing to innovate. And um, I know I really do know my stuff. So that's what it means to me. I don't know if I'd use the label on myself super expert, but it might stick. And I really do know. Um, not just the surface, not just that, you know, little bit of proficiency or even that 10,000 hours. 
Um, this has been a you know 40 year deep dive um, and beyond that because I started literally in second grade um, of study of what it takes to help somebody unlock their peak potential. Now working with all these peak performers, do you find that it's you know kind of a box they all fall in or some sometimes you're surprised or you're you're continuing to learn how how does that how does that go? Probably all of the above a little bit. Um, there are patterns, and I'll share some of them. So there are definitely patterns. There are definitely things that continue to surprise me. And where my learning and growing is, uh, I always come to things from the, the perspective of somebody who has studied. And so I, you know, I kind of know what I know. I know a lot. But I also know that there's always more that I can learn. So I come with that student's mind. And I take people in. So when I come to anybody that I'm working with, I bring my experience, I bring my studies, I bring all of that with me, and then I bring my curiosity, my openness, my wanting to know them and how this lives in them. So I never go in and put my stuff on them. I go in with my perspective and I really listen here and see how to best help them to be all they can be and to use what I've learned and what I know to help them accomplish what is important to them. So um, one of the things for me is that I'm always in doing that and coming from that perspective, I continue to grow. So one, it's exciting. It's really fun for me being with people who are, you know, sharp and achieving and go-getters. I learn a lot because I work with people in different industries. Probably one of the most exciting things is that I continue to grow myself and help other people to grow. And that's not something I see as an endpoint. That's something that I see no matter how many hours I continue to work with high achievers. Now, I know you probably can't share what clients you worked with, you know, that, that pesky um, doctor-patient confidentiality thing, but I know you are working on a new project. You have a new book coming out. Can you tell us a bit about about the book and who you have interviewed so far, as well as maybe some people you might still be planning to interview. Okay. And so, yeah, what you saying, I appreciate that is, you know, in my role as a clinical psychotherapist, I can't, you know, I have to be very careful and not reveal who people are that I've worked with or any of, you know, what they've shared. And in my role as a mentor, I also have NDAs, non-disclosure agreements um, as well. It's, interesting and something that's really exciting is that people are more willing now than they used to be to acknowledge that they either have a therapist, need a therapist, work with a mentor. Um, things are coming out in the open. The fact that most everybody, pretty much everybody, and it lives in entrepreneurs in a particular way, has dealt with life and traumas and hard stuff, that this is becoming more of an open conversation is just it's hugely gratifying to me because it makes such a difference in the quality of people's lives. And something that a lot of people talk about is all that hidden shame, like Brené Brown talks about it a lot. So the fact that this is coming out of the shadows for men and for women is huge. And I'm excited about my book. Um, what I'm doing with the book is I'm writing about these hidden power drivers that affect peak performance. They have, you, affect have, have you titled the book, by the way, yet? No, just not really. I kind of call it the hidden power drivers of okay, okay. high performers, but it's not really. It's kind of, I'm not sure exactly what the end title will be. Um, but that's, that's 
where it goes. And it's like these drivers are so important because they affect what we accomplish and what we don't, the quality of our life. If we create limitations or shatter them, all of that is based on uh, the state that we're in, right? Mind, body, business, the state of our mind, the state of our body, the state of our business. And how do we determine that? It's by these hidden drivers. So what I'm doing in the book is taking, obviously, the experience that I have, those 100,000 plus hours, Mm -hmm. and I'm interviewing over 100 or at least 100 highly successful, mostly entrepreneurs, but also professionals, also um, people who are different arenas of performance and people who have worked with high performance in arenas of trauma and different things. So I'm interviewing 100 you know, those real achievers, real performers, and it's not all about money. Most of them are high six, seven, eight figure earners um, and more, but it's really about impact. It's about unleashing their peak potential and themselves and their business and making an impact. Uh, And then I'm going to be sending out questionnaires to a few hundred people who are high performers that may or may not be at those levels, uh, but have a lot to contribute so I can get this broader view. And some of the people that I've interviewed, this has been, it's been just so much fun and I'm learning a lot, but I've interviewed someone, I don't want to drop names yet, uh, but someone who's considered probably the best, biggest marketing expert in the world, highest paid marketing consultant. Um, I've been interviewing a lot of very successful seven figure entrepreneurs in various industries. I'm interviewing on Monday, a uh, gold medal Olympian. Uh, and I have some, some things in the works with some names that we would all know very much, um, very familiar names of people who are in the entrepreneurial, clearly high achiever space. When, when do you think the book will be published? When it'll be, I don't uh, know. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting because I'm going about this book a little bit differently. Other things that I've written, um, I've kind of gone the more traditional uh, apply first to the publisher or you know the, the chapter and stuff like that and had it all outlined. This one feels different, that it's evolving. So on the one hand, I come to this with so much that I know about the hidden power drivers of peak performance. Um, and bringing that out in high performance because high performers are not, you know, all operating at peak performance or at peak performance consistently, not the same thing. And at the same time, the journey of doing this book is eye-opening and I'm letting it evolve. Uh, One of the things that's been interesting, if I can share one of the things that has been quite eye-opening, I've seen it, but doing it in the book and doing interview after interview there are differences that I see not only across people's experiences where everybody's talking now a lot about, you know, race and gender, but also around age and where you are not only in the life cycle of your business, but in your life cycle, um, in your life cycle. So that entrepreneurs who are younger, like very successful, excuse me, and maybe in their forties, right. They look at having, endless runway. They, are, they talk about legacy, but they see every obstacle as just an exciting mountain to climb. And they don't see that place that it's not going to happen. In fact, I have to really press in a little bit to find out where they're frustrated now because of what, what they do. We can talk about that as well, but what they do with the frustrations and the challenging stuff and the obstacles. People who are older 
they have more awareness of the timeline, more awareness of priorities about this is what I need to get done now, or it may not happen. So that's been one of the things that's been very striking to me, interviewing successful entrepreneurs at various stages of their life cycle. That's interesting. You know, I just ordered and, and received, I didn't get it yet, but a, a book called, I think it's The Second Mountain. Um, huh. Forget who the author is, but but the whole premise is it is, you know, when you get later in life is thinking of that second mountain in your legacy. But anyway, that just came to mind. So you had mentioned you're, you're going to interview or you're planning to 100 people. I can't imagine that all the interviews are going to be in the book. I mean, it would be you know, even five pages an interview would be like 500 pages. How, how are you going to format it or, or is that still a work in progress? Well, it's a work in progress, but basically the intention isn't to include the interviews. The, interview, the, the purpose is really to go deep. These are private interviews so that people will share things that they might or might not want um, included. And then by, by it'll give me a sense of information without identifying people. And then I will be asking people for permission for the quotes that I use. So uh, there'll be a good number of quotes. There will be a lot of references to material, but um, obviously, just like you're saying, it would be you know a crazy textbook if I were to include 100 interviews. It might be really interesting, but one of my decisions about this was to do it privately so that people would be willing to go to places that they might not be willing to talk about if it was public. Because I talk about things like the effect of transgenerational influences, meaning their parents, their grandparents, aunts, uncles, the effect on their relationships, um, you know, just things that they might or might not be willing to say in public. So I want these to be interviews where I get a lot of information, people are willing to share, there's trust, and then I can go back and clear with people what I'd like to include, either identifying them or just having support the patterns or deviating from the patterns. And I'm going into it very openly to see what is it that I see. Because one of the things that's interesting is when I see people, even though I spend a lot of time with colleagues and, you know, in general, speaking to groups of entrepreneurs who are high achievers, when people come and work with me, you know, rolling up their sleeves, they're generally at a space where they're either stuck, they're wanting to create something new, something in their life is kind of, they're rubbing up against it. So it's interesting to interview so many people that are in different phases of that. They might not be rubbing against anything yet or now. I mean, most entrepreneurs uh, certainly have histories. Uh, Justin Green did a book, uh, Epic Business, I think it's called, where he talks about four things that you see in every entrepreneur's history. And he identifies anxiety, depression, bankruptcy, or trauma. And that supports what I've seen in all these years of practice as well. So I want more openness for people to go to those places and share them with me in the interviews. Well, that's definitely not, not that uplifting. <laughs> I guess, um, <laughs> what, what are some of the characteristics or habits that you've seen that sets high achievers apart um, well, from the crowd? This is really interesting because, yeah, so this is really interesting. It's one of the things that is most characteristic of high achievers is also the thing that ultimately they rub against and it creates an issue until they learn how to resolve it. So uh, I call it actually the resistance paradox. 
what entrepreneurs, high, achiever, high achievers, have, you know, pretty much whether they're Olympians or whether they're entrepreneurs, whatever, high achievers are really good at taking something that's been difficult, mm-hmm. a trauma, a life experience, and they either push it down, they put it in a box, they compartmentalize it, or they use it as fuel. Now, that really helps them get to a certain place because most people that are high achievers, they want to make an impact. Maybe they want to make a lot of money. They want to make a difference. There's something that they're driven to do, right? We're not just talking about a person who's a high performer, but somebody who's a high achiever, a peak performer. They have those factors. Then the way we're wired up as humans, we have a tendency to want to be secure, to be safe. And while a lot of high achievers, especially entrepreneurs, have a higher tolerance for risk than others, they still have this pattern. So they push things down, compartmentalize, or use them as fuel, which gets them to a high level of success. And then one of two things usually happens. It either caps off where they can't go even further, or if they do, there's a cost. And the cost could be to their health, the cost could be to their relationships, the cost could be to their well-being or their happiness, but there's some place because what they haven't done is they haven't integrated that life experience or the trauma and discharged the energy of it. And in fact, it's, it's kind of interesting that if you talk to high achievers about the way they've handled uh, their anxiety or their traumas or difficult life experiences, it's almost like this badge of honor that they were able to take all of these things and just kind of move no matter what. And it, it's interesting because, you know, if I can use an example from my life, I had a very big accident. And uh, it, it led to many surgeries. I didn't barely walk for a number of years. It was a very, very big deal. And when I was lying in the trauma center, uh, not knowing at that point how serious it was, I had no clue, except that I was drugged out of my mind and I was in screaming pain anyway. There I was on the gurney in the middle of the hallway of the trauma center. And I'm talking to the doctors, the nurses, anybody who'll talk to me about it, about how I'm going to use this to grow me and help the people that I work with to grow. So it was so ingrained in me. And for a long time, I was thinking, well, this is really great. Even in the midst of all of this, look what I was doing. Now, on the one hand, it was really great. On the other hand, it took quite some time before I had the realization that I hadn't really integrated the trauma and discharged the energy of it. I mean, it was a big deal. I, you know, in the hospital for quite some time, I had, you know, numerous surgeries. It was definitely a big deal. And that's very typical of what high achievers get. And people ask me, what did I, you know, what did I learn from that experience? One of the things that I, it pointed me in the direction of seeing even more deeply and more impactfully than I had before was this pattern of pushing, doing, and I knew that we wanted willingness, not willpower. I knew a lot of things about this, but one of the things I really saw in a very different way was what I call the resistance paradox that gets you to a high level of success and then keeps you from ultimately being as happy, healthy, productive, or as high achieving as you could be. It keeps you from having your fullest potential growing most fully, living most fully. Well, definitely, I want to ask you about that. But before I do, I got, a, I got a quick question for you, Dr. K. Let's say, you know, I have no anxiety. I have no trauma. 
yeah, I'm not really depressed. Could I still become a high achiever? Is there, is there stuff that is learned that could make a person, you know, <laughs> become a high achiever with, without that um, kind of negative? I love that question. Um, there are people who say no, and it's interesting that Justin's research with, you know, many, many, you know, I think he did hundreds of entrepreneurs, uh, said that they all had, the high-achieving entrepreneurs all had those four characteristics. But I think some of it depends on, and people have kind of said that, like, you know, without that to rub against, can you get as far? The way I look at it is that I don't know anybody that gets through life without experiencing what they have, have experienced as trauma. So it doesn't mean that you had to be assaulted or raped or abandoned or, these, or have an accident like I did. It doesn't mean that it has to be those things. It can be something in life that just touches you in a way that causes a reaction where you either, you might, feel, you know, it might put you into a fight or flight response. It might put you into a freeze. If it doesn't stop, it might collapse you down the road. Nobody gets, you know, gets a, get through life without having some anxiety or some challenging experiences. Some people claim that, not too many. And generally, when you talk to them, there's a lot that's repressed. So I would, have a, I would want to reframe that and say, can you get through life without, you know, and to high achievement without a major trauma, without a major anxiety? I think that most people have some combination of those or something that they've experienced. In fact, it's part of what makes people passionate about something it makes you passionate so we could say that my interest in you know shadowing limitations and clients that i have who you know just want to be so good and we could say that some of them are countering that feeling of and messages from the family of not being good enough and that's a very common one mm-hmm. there's always something in there as part of the human experience that has affected us deeply and i don't want to call it a negative way but I want to call it in a way that challenges us to grow and be more. Interesting. Now, on your website, I also, I think you had started to, to talk about this, but you promote that you're the number one authority in peak performer resistance. What, what is that? What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> okay, so we go back to those 100,000 hours that we talked about before. Um, peak performers have this pattern where, you know, that I just mentioned, where they, the, the things that they want, the, the impact, the making a difference, the money, hit, kind of hits up against the way we're wired up to protect ourselves, to, to protect our vulnerability, to look for security. And so there's a dance between those things. And one of the things that happens is we resist. And peak performers, it's very interesting. The more successful you are, two things happen. The better you get at resisting, because you're, you know, a lot of high achievers are very compelling, and it affects actually their relationship with coaching, and we can talk about that in a minute if you want to. But the other thing that it does is they have more to lose. So the more successful you are, even though you want that next step, and you may want it, like really, 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 really want it. A lot of high achievers are very driven for big goals. There's something in you that resists. And popular wisdom will teach people to overcome it, to push through it, to do all kinds of things. For me, and this is where being a therapist that works with high achievers 
has been huge is I bring a lens of psychotherapists that understands how to find the gold in the resistance and then use it to help people be more of who they can be, tap into their peak potential, accomplish more of what they want, and do it in a way that supports them being healthy, happy, good relationships, free, less stress. So uh, I've spent de- literally decades studying resistance and how it lives in high performers, peak performers, and how it either interferes or how you can actually use it in a healthy way to bring you closer to who you need to be to accomplish all that you want. That's really interesting. And I, I got to say, I'm excited for your book to come out. I can't wait for that to, to come out. Hey, um, you know, I've been working on a new game, not to change the subject, but it's kind of a fun way to, to wrap up my podcast and how it works is I'm going to give you some words and you tell me the first word that, that comes to mind. Does that sound like something you'd be willing to do? As long as I'm not restricted to one, I'm not really good at following rules. So if I can say the first thing that comes to my mind, that's cool. Okay. One word, maybe a few. How about that? Are you there? Okay. I'm going to cue the music. Hang on one second. All right. Now we're going to start with just a couple words. Uh, just kind of give a baseline here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Run. Fast. Stop. Go. Fun. Puppies. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go into uh, more business terms. You ready? We're I'm ready. Business. Big. Success. Awesome. Family. Number one. Email. A lot. Promote. I love it. Gratitude. And appreciation. Well. Across your life. Clarity. Key. Growth. If you're not growing, you're dying. High performance. Move into peak performance. That was great. Now, if someone would like to connect with you more. That was fun, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody would like to connect to you more about your service or your new book, how how can they reach out to you? Um, They can go to my website, which is drcaslow.com. K-A-Z. There's a Z there. L-O-W. And they can do two things. One is they can sign up for the VIP updates. So that would be the first thing. And then I would love for them to email me and tell me what their interest is. And I also want to invite any of our listeners to reach out if they have a question, if this spurs something in their mind, um, not just about you know services, but if there's something that they would like to share, if there's somebody even who wants to be interviewed, please reach out. I would love to hear you know, what got spurred from the conversation you and I had today and anywhere I can help. That's great. Well, thank you again. That is it for today. Remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding high achieving and high performance coaching or her new book, you can reach Dr. Kate through she, how she just mentioned. I'll also put her information in the show notes. And before I forget, 
those of you who out there who are using Google Shopping, I'm excited to announce I will be launching a brand new Google Shopping Ads Challenge beginning on February 16th. If you're looking to improve your Google Shopping in the quickest time possible here in 2021, visit makeeachclickcount.com forward slash challenge to sign up. In the meantime, remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 